You are listening to The Whole Church Podcast. Our efforts to educate and unite the church are made possible thanks to our sponsors on Patreon. Please consider joining them at patreon.com forward slash the whole church podcast for as little as $3 a month, where you'll get access to our special bonus content, like our pet peeve segment, where we ask our guests about their pets and their peeves within the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 18-23 through 23 in the Christian Standard Bible. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks he is wise in this age, let him become a fool, so that he can become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, since it is written, He catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the reasonings of the wise are futile. So let no one boast in human leaders, for everything is yours, whether Paul or Apollos, Cephas, or the world, or life, or death, or things present, or things to come. Everything is yours, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. Interestingly, this passage about knowing to whom you belong and about avoiding the wisdom of man in favor of the wisdom of God, all of that comes while St. Paul is addressing the division in the church of Corinth. They were divided, trying to figure out, should they follow Paul? Should they follow Apollos? This was part of Paul's response. Brandon, how do you think remembering to whom we belong can help us prevent foolishness in division? First, I think it is really comforting to know that even all the way back in the early days of the church, even during the New Testament, they were having divisions that we still have today of, I'm a John Piper guy, I'm a John MacArthur guy, I'm a Martin Luther, a Ka- John Calvin. Yeah, we we still have managed to maintain this conversation somehow. But what is what we should ultimately find unity in, this, is, this almost should be your theme verse, Josh, is... Ultimately, above all of the voices that we can align ourselves with and find wisdom from, we need to maintain that the head of all things is Jesus Christ, who has submitted himself under the Father. So I think church unity thrives when we keep that tier in order of Jesus is head of all, and we also have these great other voices. Yeah, we've even taken that division further throughout the years. It's not just someone's name. Now it's I answer to sure. the Lutheran church, or I answer to the Baptist church, and I, I think that still applies, yeah. Amen. Hey everybody, welcome to the Whole Church Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Joshua Knoll. I am here to help you all through the grieving process of realizing that uh, TJ Tiberius on Blackwell, the greatest co-host of all time, was not able to make it today. I know that's rough. I'm here for you. Please reach out if you need help, uh, thewholechurch at gmail.com. But I'm also joined by all of your favorite guests, so hopefully that makes up for it. We have another roundtable for you all. The Great Roundtable is back to discuss when Christians should be involved in discussions of science and when we should be silent on it. We have the one and only Father Jonathan Resmini of the Holy Trinity Greek Orthodox Cathedral in Charlotte, North Carolina. We have Christian Ashley, somewhere between non-denominational and Baptist, attending the Southern Baptist ooh, Southern Baptist College at University at, Theological at Louisville. Not the University of Louisville. Theological Seminary. I mean, I was close. Very I was close. Another person between Baptist and non-denominational, we have your favorite traveling preacher from Indiana, the one and only Brandon Knight, also co-host, or also host. I he am my co-host. Yet. 
of my seminary life. I am. A <laughs> he is his own co-host. Uh, again, your favorite Lutheran pastor, Pastor Will Rose of Holy Trinity Chapel Hill Lutheran Church. So we have two Holy Trinities represented. And, and new to the show, new to the roundtable, we have an old college friend of me and Christians, Adino Ablon. Am I saying that right? Yeah, great. I think so. <laughs> he was like, sure, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> um, he grew up Catholic, uh, kind of transitioned over to non-denominational evangelical kind of realm. Uh, he studied in pharmaceuticals, and now he's studying some other science stuff that he told me, and my brain just doesn't want to want to hold it today. So, you know, what is the science you're studying now? Oh, um, so I work on the last part of the blood clotting process. So basically, just to simplify it for our viewers, um, so in the last part of the blood clotting process, your clot goes from soft to hard. It's just kind of make it more stable. That way, when your wound heals, it doesn't like prematurely go away. Let your body do its work to make sure you're A-OK afterwards. Awesome. Awesome. And guys, uh, every now and then, every now and then, I like to tell you guys about some review or something that we had for our show, just getting into it so you guys know that other people think we're really cool. And recently, I've learned of what is my personal favorite recommendation the show has ever gotten. Um, my granny passed away last Thursday, and I heard a story of... My other grandmother came to visit her recently, and they were like best buds. And she, my granny, was telling my grandmother all about the whole church mm-hmm. podcast, trying to get her to listen, say, this stuff is great. So this one I'm going to dedicate to granny. That means everyone is required to be on their A game. Oof, pressure. We're going to jump. Golly. We're going to jump right <laughs> into this with my favorite form of unity that we almost used a silly question before, and I held off. Because it would be wrong to do this without Brandon Knight, my Tolkien brother. Today's silly question. If you were to play flag football in Middle Earth with your favorite characters and you were named captain, who would be your first pick for your team? We're not allowing any repeat answers. I think it's it'd be too easy if I let Brandon go first. I'm going to test his Tolkien knowledge by making everyone else pick the good <laughs> characters first. Uh, Christian looks eager. I'm ready Christian to go. actually... Who are you picking for your flag football team in Middle Earth? I am picking the King of the Dead because we've proven <clears throat> he is a little bit corporeal, so he can handle the ball. But <clears throat> he doesn't want okay. someone to touch him or the flags. He can get away. That's really good. <laughs> All right. Good answer. Okay. Yeah, that's good. That's a good one, uh, Father Jonathan. I'm just picking at random here, guys. I think I would go with uh, Samwise uh, because even if he isn't so much. Uh, the most athletic person on the field, you know that he will, if not carry the football, carry one of his uh, teammates across the finish line. That's good. That's good. So you're going with Rudy. Cool. You're going with Rudy? Absolutely. That's right. All right. You're going with Rudy. Go Irish. All right. So, uh, so uh, Dino, I'm not, I'm, I don't want you to be too far down the line. I, I can't make it too difficult for you. Let's go ahead and so, let you go. I need to clarify first. So flag football... It's not the normal tackle. They just have to grab a flag from you, right? Yes. Sure. Uh, yeah. I'd say Treebeard. Put that flag that flag really high. Have a hard time. Okay. Yeah. Oh, dude, what a good pick. I like nice. that. Okay, Pastor Will. Fantastic. Pastor Will, let's hear this. Yeah, I, I love the, the Sam pick. Uh, just not because of this crossover with football and Rudy <laughs> and, and Sam and and uh, carrying your friend to the finish line is, is pretty rad. Um 
Treebeard's great too, but I'm I'm gonna go like uh, I'm going Thorin because uh, the right. dwarf who gets that low center of gravity, and he led he led a team all the way to the Lonely Mountains. So I I'm gonna go. He'd be a good yeah. fullback. He'd be yeah. a great fullback. So I'm going I'm going with Thorin. Um, all right, all right. I dig it. My all first pick is still here. Um, so I spent a lot of time <laughs> thinking about this, and Treebeard is a great call. I didn't even think about that one. Um, yeah, yeah, that's the hobbits are tempting and the dwarves are tempting because they're lower to the ground so it's harder to get their flags but in flag football you need players who can play good offense and defense you need to be able to play both sides and for that I think Legolos <laughs> is one of the best picks for that because he's swift, he's agile I think he could get around everybody and also do some crazy flippy thing and get your flag as well Treebeards may still be difficult. Okay, right. all right. Here we go. Here we go. Mine is absurd uh, because we did not specify what era of Middle Earth you had to pick from. So I'm going to go with Morgoth um, because he could reach the entire field. He could just create different Lords of Darkness, just send out Balrogs or whatever he wanted, burn down the. You're field You're the if only one to. doing this without There's any no football rules. Yeah. Everyone else was trying yeah. to do right, this right, with like football. Right. Like, we're we're Listen, really thinking. I, of all the rules I've read, nothing ever says you can't burn the field down. <laughs> well, we're all forgetting we've all picked the wrong answers. Because the real answer is Tom Bombadil. Tom Bombadil. <laughs> ah, there it is. Because he's such there an enigma, no one will know Ooh, how to handle true. him on the field. Yeah. Also, I feel like your magic characters, if you're allowed to use magic, that would make it a little unfair. Because they could just hold you in place and then go up and pull Candles the flag. You know, that magic makes it uncare, but we're going to burn the whole <laughs> field down. What are you, what are you I'm bane? not against you're making just it unfair. Just... My character will also be bane? doing that. You're just going to destroy <laughs> the entire field? <laughs> yeah, it's fine. I am okay with that. Oh, man. Uh, as TJ says, part of the, the fun of the silly question is all agreeing that Josh's answer was wrong. So, <laughs> there you go. Um, I mean, I have so much reading to do without without <laughs> Tiberius Wan here. Um, and for those who don't know, this might be a long episode because he usually kind of... Um, uh, he keeps us on time, and I'm not good at that. So, most people, we're getting into the meat of it, uh, when you're thinking of the science and religion kind of debates, most people think of it science versus religion, and they sort of think of it as almost exclusively evolution or creationism. But today's discussion was actually inspired by something Christian brought up in our last roundtable when we were talking about abortion and how people from one side of the church has treated that and how they have handled other people who are actually scared in this time. Um, this debate even goes further back than everything we're talking about today. When you think of like uh, the philosophy of Epicurus, not science, but you know, he was talking about Adam's clyde and creating the universe thousands of years ago. And then you have Galileo, the orbit of the earth. The church kind of had a, a rough conversation there. I mean, you know, we're not super proud of how we handled that situation. And then all the way through this discussion we're talking about today. What other topics can you guys think of where science and the church have kind of seemed to be in disagreement? And I'll take hands today. <laughs> so not everybody has to answer. All right, Brandon, I saw yours Mental first. Health. Mental health. Mm, we've, yes. really, we've really s- screwed that one up a lot. I actually have a book. I need to, I'll put it in the show notes. That's uh, there's five different views of the Bible and okay. psychology awesome. or counseling. So uh, it's interesting to see some of the different views of how the church has handled that and I think most of those are healthy mm. ways. Okay. So that's kind of different because a lot of the ways the church has handled it hasn't been too healthy. Christian, I saw your hand up as well. 
uh, my answer was going to be medicine and mm. uh, certain yep. sects that would claim Christianity would say that it is immoral to go to a doctor. Uh, mm -hmm. Very various heretical sects would say that is what I would say on that issue. Yeah, I um having grown up Pentecostal, I've heard I haven't heard it saying that it's bad to go to a doctor or anything, but I've have heard that you should pray before and give God time to see even with like Tylenol and stuff. It's like, why don't you pray for your headache? Which I agree, you should pray. But I'm I, I'm all for praying and taking the medicine at the same time. I don't think God's like oh, I'm not going to heal you. You took that medicine a little too quick, bud. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, who gifted um, those people with the intelligence to make that in the first place? Yeah, yeah. Maybe that was God's answer. Turns out for your headache, it was Tylenol. Pastor <laughs> um, Will, what's uh? Can you think of any? Yeah, I, I can't think of a specific issue right now for some reason on top of my head. But but I think uh, the the posture of being quick to answer the church often is really quick to answer with a scripture verse held out of context mm -hmm. rather than uh, we respond with the scripture out of context then listen take time to listen to what's really happening in the research. Um, most of the time, science happens in real time, and so they're still learning. And so Christians be like, "See, didn't science is wrong because they said this one time, but they said another time." It's like, well, you're you're watching like with COVID and the pandemic. It was you're watching science happen in real time where they're trying to figure things out, and you weren't giving it time to think through those things. And you don't have to be the first one to answer. You don't have to be the first one to try to like counter it because your specific verse um, doesn't seem to to um, be right in, in line with it right from the start. Give, give it time. Take time to listen and, and think about the question and what's going on with folks first. So I think just being quick to answer or, or feeling like you have to have a hot take immediately when an issue comes out rather than, than yeah. being patient. Yeah. The Twitter mindset is kind of mm -hmm. linked in on everybody. Yeah. Uh, we have to answer quick because within five minutes it might be not relevant anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I do got to say a lot of the verses out of context thing, uh, especially if you look at historical ones, when you think of, you know, the church in the orbit, it was someone took a verse about God holding the moon still. And it's like, okay, well the, that that's, you got to understand the kind of literature, the kind of phrases you got to understand that it's not trying to describe how things work. It's trying to describe spiritual things at essence. So I think a lot of it is understanding biblical literature, which is something I'm pretty passionate about. Well. Yeah. And those who were writing this down in scripture were using the science of the time, their observation. So it makes sense that their eye, they didn't have telescopes or, or um, the tools to dissect and split atoms, but they had their eyeballs and laws of um, observation. And that's how they saw the world and the science of their day mm -hmm. they were using and it's evolved since then. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Did anybody else have anything they wanted to add that we don't, um, that the church and science kind of seem to be at odds with, or are you all ready to move on to the next bit? I would just say, just because this is uh, it's important to me uh, in my own background and things that I've worked on, and it's not across the board, but uh, there, there there are those who would have a, a view of like climate science um, that's, you know, yeah. that would run contrary to to perhaps what some of the literature, the scientific literature, uh, the contemporary scientific literature is saying, or, um, uh, or, or they would spiritualize uh, climate disasters rather than recognize yeah. that you know, there's there's a, a reasonable chain of uh, <laughs> of order that led yeah. to those types of things happening. So those really frustrate me when people start doing that. The wildfires mm -hmm. in on the west coast is because of xyz that's really frustrating to hear mm -hmm. 
And I always found it really yeah, – what, what bothered me is the same people who like to do the um, – the Bible says you have to answer for your sins kind of stuff. We'll turn around and say that, well, you know, it's not – our society doesn't have to answer for their sins or humanity doing the stuff to the planet doesn't have to answer for it. Like it is the same concept, and that's what blows my mind. I'm like just you, your own argument doesn't – got to use the same structure every time you're talking about this. You can't use this here, but over here I don't like this. So I'll, just, I'll use a different argument, you know. <laughs> yeah. So to backtrack a little bit. um. I mentioned earlier, Christian brought up abortion in the last roundtable discussion, and that's sort of what got us on this track. We were discussing the need for leaders in the church to learn to be silent and just listen sometimes. So when the topic of abortion came up, Christian was kind of getting at sometimes, not that we shouldn't be against abortion, but rather we need to listen to people's fears. Um, Christian, could you catch us up a little bit better? What, what all were you getting at when we were talking about that last time? I re-listened to that episode earlier today, and I've already forgotten what I said. So I'm going to do my best here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. <laughs> this, Josh, you brought up the general gist of it was that we bring up – I think I remember saying, it's like I was so happy initially when Roe v. Wade was overturned, but that joy died when I saw the Christian response to it. Mm. It was, we've won. You guys all suck. You just have to deal with the law now. And then the other ones were, well, now we can do something about it. It's like, we've had 50 years to look after people. Mm -hmm. And what were you doing in that time? Uh, mm -hmm. Given by your response, nothing. Mm -hmm. so if they really they to... on, on that note, um, one shouldn't also overlook that there are other Christians who um, did not have any of those responses and were jubilant and also like have been fighting for, I guess, uh, caring for the mom and the baby for quite some time. So it's kind of mm -hmm. a little bit unfair to the Christians who, I guess, have not been just like warlike about it, I would like to say. Um, so let's yeah. not put that out there also. No, that's In the midst of like, critiquing what the church uh, has done wrong, let's not forget that some of it does some things right. Because it could give like a naive, pessimistic impression of how much we need to work on versus like what we're actually doing right. Yeah. And it's, um, we're, me and Pastor Will is going to join the show again in a few weeks to discuss some of the different views the church has had on how we should approach this issue, um, specifically talking about abortion from some of the different perspectives that different churches have had. But part of it, I think, is the fact that a lot of the loudest members, uh, and I'll say specifically of evangelical church, have been saying some really terrible things. But part of it is also is the news is going to emphasize the worst parts of everything because that's what gets people to click on things. And, you know, I'll say even on a personal level, if I introduce myself as a Christian, there is always this gap you have to build through when you're starting relationships with somebody where you have to kind of like, and I'm not that kind of Christian. If you're building a relationship with a non-Christian, because of these things, there's all these assumptions they have about you that you have to kind of get past. Where I'm like, no, I'm not the kind that thinks you're a terrible person. Yes, Pastor Will. Yeah, and I think that coincides with the discussion on faith and science as well, that the, the loudest 
um, most obnoxious voices end up getting the headlines and the clickbait when it comes to faith and science. Mm -hmm. So when you have like, oh, here's a debate between a creationist and evolutionist, uh, and we put it on YouTube, we're going to get the two extremes that are never going to agree on anything. They're going to fight and yell. And, and so, but because people know that that gets the clickbait in the comment section, uh, gets the most traffic and, and that kind of thing. But, but there are a lot of people out there, a lot of Christians, people of faith who are both scientists, believe in science and are people of faith or who are not on the extremes that, that have a lot of good resources of how you can have a healthy conversation between faith and science. So, so in these discussions, whether it's the hot topics, lightning rolls like abortion or climate change, faith and science, they're always going to have those extremes that are, are getting the clickbait and, and barking the loudest. Um, but in the midst of that, just know that there, there's thousands and thousands of people, <laughs> resources that, that um, I've been working with faith and science for a decade in my current context. And, and, and I barely scratched the subject uh, when it comes to the books and the resources and the really smart people that are creating a healthy conversation. So, um, that's where I think that the church unity can come from and where the community that, and relationships that you build is, is just acknowledge, yep, there are going to be those who are loud, who are going to be the extreme that people are going to tweet about. But then there's, there's those who are really, um, who are dedicated to work to a more healthy conversation, um, out there. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's definitely true. And it's just, it's annoying because I know people who have, put off becoming a Christian or have avoided the church specifically because of the evolution debate, even because they just, they can't, they feel like Christians are all foolish basically, which is kind of a tr good transition to what I wanted to bring up next. I, I tried to bring it up last time and I couldn't remember the quote and I figured out it's because the quote's really long actually. <laughs> but uh, St. Augustine wrote in his time about Christians who were kind of making statements outside of the faith who were theologians and because the statements they were making outside of the faith were so foolish, it made the faith look foolish. I wanted to read this quote and see if anybody had any takes they'd like to share on this. So this is uh, St. Augustine, Augustine of Hippo. Usually, even a non-Christian knows something about the earth, the heavens, and the other elements of the world, about the motion and orbit of the stars, and even their size and relative positions, about the predictable eclipses of the sun and moon, the cycles of the years and the seasons, about the kinds of animals, shrubs, stones, and so forth, and this knowledge he holds to as being certain from reason and experience. Now it is a disgraceful and dangerous thing for an infidel, a non-Christian, to hear a Christian presumably giving the meaning of Holy Scripture, also talking nonsense on these topics. And we should take all means to prevent such an embarrassing situation in which people show a vast ignorance in a Christian and laugh to scorn, the shame is not so much that an ignorant individual is derided, but that people outside the household of faith think our sacred writers held such opinions. And to the great loss of those whose salvation we toil, the writers of scripture are criticized and rejected as unlearned men. It's kind of a powerful, powerful quote to me. Um, do anybody have any takes, anything they would want to comment on that even? Christian. If I have a thesis statement, for this show, it's don't open your mouth unless you know what you're talking about. Mm, yeah, that's usually pretty <laughs> solid advice, <laughs> uh, especially when it comes to science, because of how much research, how much work has to be poured into it for us to even have the barest understanding of what we have now. Mm. Yeah, 
Dino, specifically as someone who is involved in science, I'm curious, how does this, that kind of quote read to you? I mean, well, for me, like, um, whenever I try to make claims about something, uh, I guess like part of the philosophy of being a scientist is do a lot of research, do a lot of reading and not just like read something and, oh, okay, like try to find, I mean, the same way Christians compare scripture with scripture, you compare articles to articles too. And sometimes like uh, when I read, when I want to say at least one sentence in my dissertation, I want, I usually end up sometimes getting two or three references that should say the same thing, even say one sentence out of this whole document. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, because uh, I think there's this tendency to like just, because like we our time is limited, we just want to take one thing we learned and then kind of roll with it. When like there's like, um, I guess with rigorous like true science should be like systematic, pain, sometimes painfully laborious, but also like very meticulous. <laughs> yeah. uh, and even then, I think even with claims uh, that we make, a lot some of our conclusions in science the best we could say is there's only a 5% chance of being wrong, like the null hypothesis. Like whenever we make a claim yeah. about something, we are confident that there's only a 5% or 1% or 0.01% chance that our hypothesis is wrong. And you use statistics to do that. Uh, so we can't even say we're 100% sure sometimes. So yeah, I guess it's like being systematic and very methodical before you say something uh, is how I would answer that. Yeah, there's some principles of science that I think apply everywhere. And I know I've seen a couple hands up during this, but I just wanted to say quickly, I think it's important to have that humility of always saying, hey, I'm pretty sure of this. You know, it, it actually, it drives me crazy. Even when people say, you know, the Bible says this, I know for sure this, because I have to wonder, well, what if they found an older thing and we found out that Jesus explicitly wrote in the Bible or, you know, that the original manuscript said something different than what you thought it said. Will you change your mind? Because if so, you're not 100% sure. You know what I mean? Um, and on top of that, I, I hate when people do this, when you're talking about the research and stuff that scientists do, they have to go into the open mind of this could go either way. And a lot of people will go into these articles, much like they do the Bible with a preconceived, this is what the answer is going to be. And then they prove what they wanted it to be. That's, that's just not good reasoning. It's not good Bible reading. It's not good science. Father Jonathan, I saw your hand up first, and then I saw Pastor Will as well. So, uh... As, as I was listening to the quote, I, I was struck not just by like the relationship between like what we might consider things that would fall under the sphere of the sciences, like he was saying, the motion of the, the celestial bodies and stuff like that. Uh, but it's also, I think for me, it was more of an accusation against how they were in uh, the, the uh, first principle they had in understanding scripture. They were attributing to the author something that wasn't there. And Augustine mm -hmm. found that to be problematic. Um, he found it to be problematic because um, uh, because it was a misrepresentation of what was there. And a lot of times I find these the, the when there are major issues uh, between those who, you know, in the debate between religion and science uh, in general, it, it comes from a, a first principle that's rooted in um, maybe a, 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 a claim of authority of scripture that isn't established necessarily even in scripture. And so it's something outside of the text that they're using as the, the first principle to make an argument against um 
uh, against something that's claimed in the sciences. And, and so not only do we have to be cautious in understanding what the science is saying, but we really have to be making sure that we're actually properly articulating what the faith is saying, what the, what the scriptures are saying, whatever other sources of authority you have within your tradition uh, are saying as well, because we could, we could make, uh, we can misrepresent that as well. And in that misrepresentation, we create problems that aren't necessarily there between uh, what our, what the faith might hold and, and, and what science is revealing. I remember, I don't remember exactly who it was, but when the evangelical church was trying to define what we mean by biblical inerrancy, um, one of the people said, basically, it, it boiled down to whenever new evidence comes up, we reevaluate how we're reading the scripture and science because the two will never truly contradict each other because truth is truth. And that's something that I think that's always good to do. Yeah, reevaluate the science and reevaluate how you're reading what you're reading. Um, Pastor Will, I know you've been waiting. <laughs> right. Now we're just saying that science, um, you know, science, something that somebody else was saying, science doesn't happen in a vacuum by yourself. There, you do mm -hmm. it within community. There's peer reviews as well. And the same way should be done with faith. It, faith doesn't happen in a vacu vacuum or individually. It's, yeah, it's personal. It's a part of your own life, but it doesn't happen in a vacuum. You're, it's a part of a community. And, and faith communities have peer review process mm -hmm. as well in terms of interpretation of scripture. That's kind of what uh, our, our patriarchs and matriarchs of old, <laughs> the saints of old, um, mm -hmm. it, it are kind of like our our peer review on how we interpret scripture. And, and so I think science um, uh, is done in a way so that there is a, a listening ear and, and the checks and balances. And I think faith and how we interpret scripture and community should be the same way. Um, and, and I think it's not that every um, minister or preacher needs to take, gets a PhD in science, but I, but I think, you know, learning about it, um, Phyllis Tickle, uh, the sociologist, theologian, um, encouraged her students who are going to seminary to, to take a physics 101 course, just because look, just, you get to have some kind of like, it's the language of the people. It's the common language right now that people are operating with. And you don't understand, uh, these common concepts of science, um, then you can be left behind just to understand the word and language that are going on within the sciences so that you can comprehend that. You don't have to have a PhD. Uh, you don't have to go get a doctorate, but, but at least have a common understanding of what's going on around you so that you can have a conversation and understand and not speak, um, like a dumb mule or whatever he said in that quote or whatever. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then the stuff that you don't know, uh, as Father Jonathan said a couple roundtables ago, it is okay to be silent sometimes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I have three questions I'm going to ask each of you. Uh, I'm just going to do it one at a time and just ask you all three. Just kind of see what you guys would say to this, because I feel like this is something that TJ and I both believed was important we addressed with everyone. Um, Brandon, okay. I'm going to start with you. I missed hearing your voices. <laughs> I feel like it's been a minute. <laughs> oh, man. What's something you think the church should stand its ground on, regardless of what popular science may say? I guess, well, okay. So the, guess the biggest answer to that would be resurrection of Jesus Christ, because popular science may mm -hmm. definitely say that people just don't come back from the dead. We have not had the zombie apocalypse yet. And obviously what Jesus, <laughs> yeah. what Jesus went through was much spiritually deeper than that. So obviously standing for the real bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
one of my favorite things C.S. Lewis liked to point out was um, how people like to argue that they they thought it was a miracle because they didn't understand the science behind it yet. And he and he liked to point out, no, they called it a miracle because they knew it was impossible. <laughs> like like they knew that actually. So, um, all right, Brandon, what's something the church might be wrong about that popular science of the day has right? For me, as someone who grew up in grew, grew up homeschooled and then went to a Christian middle school and high school, I think leaning on the word might there, because I'm still working through this in my own theology, is the issue of evolution and creationism. Um, there are whole views of this position, theistic evolution, that the two are brought together that in my context growing up, you never talked about. Uh, evolution, not to be not to beat this down, but evolution was treated a lot like abortion. <laughs> it was the evil bad guy's position, you know? And, and so yeah. that, I think that is one area that personally for me, the church should be more open-handed on and being willing to admit as Ken Ham himself would say, you weren't there. And that goes for very <laughs> straightforward creationist six day, literal creationists as well. You weren't there. Sorry. We have to take this by faith on either end. Yeah. What's uh, what's fascinating to me, um, in the original papers of Christian fundamentalism, one of the authors was a mm. theistic evolutionist. So at that point in time, in the early 1900s, we didn't think evolution was an issue that was fundamental to the faith. And sometime, after, I think it was the Stokes trial. No. There was some some trial. Made Christians mad. Now we care a lot about yes. evolution all of a sudden. Yeah. What's something, Brandon, the church can let go of that it might be in conflict with popular science? Right or wrong? Just something that they can let go of. It doesn't matter. They need to just butt out. I don't know if this answers the question necessarily, but the church needs to butt out and get over itself on the mental health stuff. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes, you should read your Bible. And yes, you should pray because that's literally the baseline of what every Christian should do. But you yeah. can and many people should go to counseling, get on medication. Like it is not just an issue of joy. Yeah. It's not just an issue of you're not exercising enough faith because then this becomes a very slippery slope into prosperity mm -hmm. gospel thinking that the same pastor is going to then, you know, ra rail against in the pulpit against that issue but basically in principle apply it to hey but you should do that if you are depressed or anxious or fill in mental disorder here so yeah the church needs to figure this out yeah and and there are yeah. there are people yeah. who are getting that you, you brought up the book earlier but it's just fascinating to me that there are still people who are so far behind on this I sure wish I remembered the name or author or <laughs> anything about that book but it will be in the show notes um, Christian, again, I'm going to let, it's going to be okay if you do a repeat answer or just say, I agree with Brandon on any of these, um, and that's just going to apply across the board. <laughs> Christian, what's something you think the church can, should stand its ground on regardless of what popular science may say? Uh, making a lot of enemies with this one, with biological sex, hmm. we should, okay. uh, I know it's very, I mean, triggering is the word a lot of people would use and that's right, that they believe that they are this. And when the science would say, no, this is what you were born as, and gender, we can argue that, and it's so in a different sphere, but biological sex means you are a man or a woman. 
What about people who are born with both? That is an excellent question. And I'm not qualified okay. to answer that. All right. So if I learned <laughs> maybe that's what we should butt out of <laughs> my own words, I should say, I don't know. Okay. That's fine. So what's something the church might be wrong about that popular science of the day has right? I'm going to go a bit more metaphysical with this one and say, uh, learning how to doubt. Uh, hmm. Okay. Uh, we were talking earlier, several people brought up, you know, scientific journals. They need to have multiple people, you know, looking them up and making sure the research is correct. And the church, not every church, mind you, but a lot of the churches I've been around, you don't doubt. That's bad. Mm -hmm. And that goes, that's antithetical to who God is. He wants you to understand him as best as possible a human can. Now, once again, mm -hmm. you don't have to be in a systematic theology class like I am right now. I'm very grateful mm -hmm. for that class. I have a very brilliant professor, and I'm not just saying that because I'm sending him this link because <laughs> he let me get out of class early. <laughs> nice. Uh, but I'm saying that because even as he was explaining things, my eyes were going cross-eyed. <laughs> yeah. Because they're just yeah. things I don't understand yet. But if I just refuse to look at them, then I'm no better than someone who just says, well, I believe this because I read an article once rather than someone yeah. who read more than one and built an actual fact based opinion off. Yeah. I think that uh, Tony Stark and Iron Man did a lot of harm <laughs> in uh, building this stereotype that scientists are really arrogant when a lot of them actually have to be humble or they could not do their job. I will say that there um, are arrogant scientists. When I correct you that's there. true. I know a few. <laughs> <laughs> and I might even be spicy and say some fields have more arrogant scientists than others. <laughs> so Christian, um, <laughs> what's something the church should butt out of science-wise? Um, oh gosh, what was I going to answer for this one? I don't know. I really like the mental mental health one, though. That, we I could mean, all just second that. I, I will second that one, but um, I'm going to say bring up with this recent pandemic the way the church has handled that. And yeah. we should butt out of the discussion when people who have spent years in the medical field say, look, wear this mask, take this vaccine, look into what the science is on that. So you're not just putting something in your body you don't agree with. But at the end of the day, realize these people have spent decades of their lives forming this so that you would be as safe as possible taking a vaccine or wearing a mask around people. I hate wearing a mask, yeah. but you know what? I did it anyways <laughs> because it yep. meant someone else's grandmother may not die. Yeah. I mean, there's that. And there's the whole St. Paul talks about uh, being all things to all men. And whenever he just had to prove he was, just, you know, just much Jew to other people, he like shaves his head bald and goes through all these weird rituals that he doesn't even believe in. And I can't wear a mask. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, Dino. <laughs> We're going to do the same questions with you. I'm, I'm going to really make father Jonathan and pastor will sweat it. <laughs> What's something you think the church should stand its ground on, regardless of what popular science may say? Hmm. Um, I guess there's a bunch I've heard. Like, I heard someone say resurrection before. That one, for mm -hmm. sure. Um, yep. Also, like, I'm going to be spicy with this one. Also, like, with uh, biological sex as well. Um, just because, like, you're, everyone's bor usually born um, with the 23rd pair of chromosomes, XX or XY. And it's also a bit suspect to kind of um change the rules for everybody for a, a few exceptions in in science we have our rules general rules about how things go and then the exceptions we kind of devote uh some special attention to those but we don't let them change what the general trend usually is 
So I guess just to add that to what Christian said earlier. So how would you answer the question of dealing with people who were born with uh, both? Um, I'd have to like, well, do more research first. Um, mm -hmm. I would then maybe, like in science, we sometimes do case studies on people, like get their con informed consent, ask them like, how are mm -hmm. things here? How are they like, instead of just being hastily and making up, changing the rules for everybody, sometimes you just gotta get to know them. And I'm sure like, they'll want to know, let's, they'll, hopefully people, in those categories will like happily let you know what they're going through or what it's like for them. But you don't, it's hard to just basically make assumptions based on exceptions. Um, mm. Okay. So what's something the church might be wrong about that popular science of the day has right? Um, I'm going to say like some members of the church, it's not fair to say to the whole church, but I would say for me being um, in biochemistry, I'd say evolution. Um, I would say, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I decided I would say evolution. Like, I don't think it's as much of a threat to the gospel as some people might think it is. It's not for me. Um, yeah. Well, it's more for, of a threat to my to my belief was people telling me, you can't believe in evolution and call yourself Christian. And I think that was like, yeah. that was phrased to me, I think in the very first few months or so of like me coming to faith, like baby Christian, do you know? Like, yeah. how do I be a Christian? Like, I raised in this Christian tradition. How do I be a real one? And they're like, oh, um, need to give up evolution. I'm like, what? But I had like a year of like knowing about this. Like it seemed pretty convincing mm -hmm. to me. And I know, like, but yeah. I would say, um, yeah, I guess like if I put me more in that, yeah, I'd say evolution for sure. Yeah. And we, um, I'll probably put this in the show notes as well, but we've had several guests on who are either uh, proponents of theistic evolution or who are proponents of uh, even young earth creationism we've had on the show mm -hmm. talking about the possibility of unity amongst those. So I'm if actually, you think uh, we're heavy on the evolution today, go back and listen to some of the other ones. I, we'll will, I will say though, my fiance is a young earth creationist and he and I okay. talk about um, how to interpret Genesis 1 to 11, like back and forth. But I mean, we're getting married in November. So, so like, so you clearly have unity yeah, so. <laughs> of some sort. Yep. Awesome. Also, congratulations, by the way. <laughs> um, all right, Dino, the last one. What is something the church should butt out of when it comes to science? I actually will have an interesting take on this question and say it shouldn't butt out of science, but rather it should take the time to understand it. Because um, like sometimes I feel like some things in life just need a very Christian, they need Christians in it. Like we need Christians in Hollywood, we need Christians in science, like I'm not saying that like you should just come in there with uninformed, strong uninformed opinions. Rather, take the time to kind of like know and just what's going on. Like, what is science? Like, I guess like here's a little tidbit. Like, I guess some people treat science like its own religion, like it's some kind of like dogma. Mm -hmm. But really, for me, like at least for me, it's like a method. It's like for me, it's like a blacksmith. Blacksmith uses tools. As a mm -hmm. scientist, I see science as a tool, like a kind of like a method for understanding how things work. To me, it's not necessarily like, um, I know this has to be this way or that way. Uh, granted, there's a philosophy behind science. Like for example, when you make drugs, some people think mm -hmm. we should make drugs a certain way versus like this way. But that's just like, the scientist says this works, this doesn't work, this works better, this works this way. But like, in terms of like, how should I make my drug then? People choose that, I guess. So 
it's weird because like there's a science that's like the method and then there's science that's like the philosophy and mm -hmm. i really think if you don't want if you don't want christians to fear science or distrust it you should not shirk away from having people in science who are christians yeah so i don't usually answer my own question some but here's just some of my own take with this is I think individual Christians should be more than happy to embrace science and to get into some of these fields, be part of any of these discussions as you have dedicated your life to studying them. Um, personally, you, you both mentioned biological sex. I think if you haven't spent your life studying that, butt out. That's my take. Um, but I, I think that there's a difference of an individual Christian doing that in the church organization forming an official opinion about these things. Because unless the leaders of the church are the ones who've really taken time of this, um, I fall back on Ephesians 4, submit ye one to another. You know, hey, listen, I might have one Christian who has an opinion about evolution, another who has young earth creationism, and they both spent an equal amount of time studying the science of it and believe it. Submit to one another. That would be my answer. I guess on that note, then, um, I mean, we're, we're supposed to be one unified Christian body. In that sense, yeah. like, if you don't understand something, you can talk to a fellow Christian or someone who does. Like, for recently, my church, I think, like, uh, they recently bought a new building, uh, like, because we've, they, I guess, like, we've been renting out of space, and now we're, like, moving into, like, um, uh, our own building. Like, before they made the purchase, they consulted with financial advisors, like, hey, is this, why, why is this for money? How do we go about doing it? Is it fair to ask our members to kind of put money towards this? So, in some ways, like, the church, our church pastors consulted with people of faith who are wise in financial matters to make that purchase. In the same way, I'd say if you don't know something about it, um, you can ask a trusted source too. Like, yeah. in that way, you don't have to take yourself out of this discussion and say, like, I don't know anything. I'm just going to check out and let culture do its thing. Yeah. You could ask someone that you know yeah. is a strong Christian who can inform you, like, or I guess, like, guide you in that. Yeah, as a Christian scientist, you can call Dino at eight six seven five three zero nine. If you got that joke, you're welcome, <laughs> Father Jonathan. <laughs> I'm gonna make Pastor Will sweat it as long as possible. I know he loves science, so I have to I have to make him sweat it. <laughs> Father Jonathan, what's something you think the church should stand its ground on, regardless of what popular science may say? Uh, so I did like the the response about the resurrection because if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, our faith is in vain. Of course, like that's a a, mm -hmm. a no brainer. I'm less not that I have I I don't have a strong opinion about biological sex um, uh, being essential, um, but I I just I think there are deeper problems in the conversations that are happening around those type of things with. Um, you know, uh, age of consent and all of that stuff. I think those are those are the the the, yeah. the more pressing matters with the conversation around gender and identity and stuff like that. Uh, and those are pastoral questions, not necessarily yeah. things that we need to. Because even if the science has a lot of times the science that I've read, I mean, I'm not a scientist, but I know how to do research as a researcher. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the science is pretty clear. Like those outliers that we're that we're talking about, they they don't constitute a lot and they usually present as either male or female in within those within those outliers it's like there's extra x chromosomes or extra y chromosomes and, and it, it usually leads to someone being physically unhealthy um mm -hmm. because because of those those genetic issues uh so it's very rare in in the first place and then there are a few different versions of it so i'm a little less uh 
struck by those outliers. And I, I don't think that, I think most scientists would probably say those, those are outliers. We can't make any generalizations around those. Um, but yeah. but the, the resurrection, uh, I think, is, is essential. But I think that's, that's across the board. That's what we should be saying about with secular people that aren't necessarily scientists. Uh, you know, if there are Christians who claim to be Christians and say that there is no resurrection or bodily resurrection, <laughs> uh, I, I think that we should really, you know, those are things that we should hold strong to. Um, um, yeah, that's our that's our that's, that's our that's our first that's issues. our first principle uh, is that Christ rose yeah. from the dead. Uh, Paul even said so. Like that's our faith is in yeah. vain if that's not true. So that is uh, what salvation is. Is sort of faith yeah. in that. Yeah. I um also I do want to say because since you mentioned it, most scientists that I've read also do agree. Regardless, even the ones who are very non-Christian and are all for the same, you know, identify your own gender identity stuff. Most of them also do say that the age of consent should be a lot older than some of the places are doing right now. So for people who are interested, definitely look into that. Yeah, I think that's a, a greater issue. And I think that the moral or yeah. ethical erosion that's going to be taking place down the line uh, has more to do with consent than about than identity. Yeah, so. and that's scary, really. Um, Father Jonathan. <laughs> What's sorry? I'm like we're just dropping bombs on. I'm like okay, next thing, Father Jonathan. What's something the church might be wrong about that popular science of the day has right? Um, well, I don't know about the, the church as a whole, just because there's like there's so many different perspectives yeah, on this, and even even generalize. within even within orthodoxy, which which I'm representing, I I, I may not be, you know, like I, there isn't consensus around this, but I, I think. Um, uh, not just uh, evolution, biological evolution, but uh, like um, cosmological evolution. And um, huh. uh, I know that there's, you know, there's some movement in questions of like Big Bang and stuff like that. Like that's not the standard model uh, for the start of the universe across the board anymore either. So, um, but generally speaking, like going back to, I think, uh, I think Dino mentioned like method, like we can, we know how fast light travels in a vacuum. <laughs> and so we yeah. can measure how old the universe is based on the light that we receive. So to think that, like, I think that we should, you know, you know, yeah. I think that science has it, has it right there. If we can measure something and we continue to measure it in the same way, as best as we're able, as much as, you know, measurements aren't, uh, Measuring doesn't alter, you know, what we're observing. Um, I think uh, I think we can we can go with them on that and 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 maybe yeah. take a step back <laughs> and reinterpret our interpretation uh, based on on things that are pretty clear and evident. Yeah, but Father Jonathan, doesn't the Bible say God's only six thousand years old? How could He create everything if you? <laughs> No, the Bible says oh, that God is is eternal. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, maybe the yeah. world is six thousand. It doesn't guy. even it doesn't even say that it's six thousand. That's just what people added it up to. Be. Yeah. Uh, but the days yeah. in Genesis in Hebrew, that's not a word. Like that's, it means period of time. It doesn't mean night and day. And there was no sun and moon for the first couple of days. So it's hard to hard to judge based on those. But oh yeah. But maybe I'm maybe I'm I'm told that I'm pretty liberal when it comes to orthodoxy. But I'm also told I'm really conservative when it comes to liberal Christianity. So I'm like at this weird place in between. I feel that. Yeah. Yeah, I get called both from both sides. It's just my life these days. It's fine. <laughs> I don't. I don't fit anywhere. But I think that's. I think that's a good place to be when when yeah. everyone's up. When someone can find something wrong with what you're saying. I mean, and I feel that's a pretty good yeah. place. We might start renaming our roundtable the collection of Christian misfit, misfits. Um, <laughs> uh, Father Jonathan, yeah. what is something the church should butt out of when it comes to science? Uh, the scientific method. I, I think I like that idea. I mean, it's 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 well. 
produce. I think we should we would actually be, be it would behoove us to learn this type of empirical methodology in our own studies. I, I'm a so I, I'm a I did um, uh, practical theology, but I studied uh, quantitative and mm -hmm. qualitative analyses as methodologies for doing research. Uh, I mean, great that nice. I, I was more of a social science approach, just because uh, although I did some empirical stuff, I, I did mostly qualitative research through ethnography and stuff like that for my research, uh, do, doing case studies and stuff like that. But you know, they're 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 well vetted. Mm -hmm. I had to go through an IRB to do my research. <laughs> like these are uh, institutional review board for those aren't in in the wow. field. Like you have to. To, you have to there's methods to make sure that you're not biased in your 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 presentation of the data you're collecting um and uh and i think that we would behoove us and, and i'm i'm a strong proponent that i think even matters of theology are in in a sense in their own way empirical like uh i think that mm -hmm. theology and spirituality are empirical sciences they they, they you know it's 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 proven effective over time and that's why we continue to practice it and we can we can evaluate something's uh, uh effectivity effectivity if we you know if we apply these methodologies and i think we can learn a lot okay. from those but Absolutely. let's not uh, but i think we should butt out of how scientists who know the methodology that's well tested are applying it to come up with responses and not assume that we know differently or better um because it, they're coming to conclusions that that don't agree with our, our our position uh so let's butt out of how they're doing their research and let's you know like like look at the research for what it is um but you know not assume that they're like anti-faith in everything that they're doing so obviously that the methodology is skewed or or, or uh or can't be trusted absolutely amen also i just have to say uh when we met bala jonathan we knew he had a phd and yet every time he's on i feel like we discover he's smarter than we thought he was <laughs> in a couple of years we're going to discover he like tutored uh, einstein or something it, it's crazy man uh, uh, <laughs> he's just too humble so you never really know how smart he actually is uh, uh, pretty much i also <laughs> i also yeah. don't look like i'm someone who's smart i look like i don't like i'm, like I'm a hipster uh, <laughs> you um, remind me of um Who's the 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 brown wizard? Radagast. Radagast. Help me out here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. thank yeah. you. That that is a compliment. That's if I was a wizard, that would be the one. Well, I there would we want go. To be just totally out there. We have, totally out there. We have next round table silly question at least. If you were a wizard. <laughs> oh man! All right, Pastor Will. I know you. You've been biting at, at the. You just been ready for this. You've been ready. I know you're. On the edge of your seat, I am prolonging this even longer now. I'm driving you crazy. Nah, Will, what's nah. something you think the church should stand its ground on, regardless of what popular science may say? Well, the benefit of going last is now I can just say, like, what all my colleagues just said is right, and I move on to the uh. next topic. I could do that. I could just say what everybody said. <laughs> um, no, those, those were all, all all good answers, strong answers, you know. Um, but but in terms of, like, what the church should stand its ground on, I think um, – Science will often, you know, that this whole idea of like scientism, that mm -hmm. uh, science is the end all of all things. And it's going to eventually just kind of keep pushing God to the margin. So we'll no longer need God's because we're going to God because we explain everything away, explain God away. Um, I, I, I just God's not going anywhere. Faith, the big question, spirituality, theology is not going anywhere. And science isn't going to get rid of it. So if, if you're a hardcore, like materialist scientist, you think one day just we're going to evolve away from religion. Um, sorry, I just I don't believe that. Um, mm. And and I'll, and I'll say that also if if science is going to say or if you reduce scientism reduces 
the nature of the universe to like um, everything is insignificant and purpose uh, purposelessness. Like there's no purpose in the universe. Um, I'll say the church has always has a stand that like no matter how small we are in the universe or how far, if we discover how big the universe is, we're not insignificant. We're not without purpose and meaning. Mm-hmm. So I think the church will dig, should dig its heels on on that nature. Yeah, I think the bigger we discover the universe is, the more humbling it is that the God of the universe came down as man and did die and rise again for our sins. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, we've all mentioned the resurrection. I just feel like it's only appropriate to just do that blank statement. This is the resurrection. That is the gospel. The God of this vast universe died and rose for you. And if you choose to believe in him, email us if you have questions. We'll pray with you. Whatever. I'll Zoom call you. I think the gospel is the most important thing that we can talk about. Yeah, and I think you know we often the church or or faith has always reduced God to like God in the gaps, just a way of explaining the universe. Now that we don't do that as much through science, we we have to rethink um, who who God is, not just an explanation of how how the stars turn, but but something even deeper than that. So I think that's what where where we can yeah. dig in. Rather than being the God of the gaps of science, He is the God that orchestrated our scientific rules and laws that we've discovered. Yeah. Yeah. Pastor Will, what is something the church might be wrong about that popular science of the day has right? Um, I'll say uh, human exceptionalism, that sometimes we often boil humans like we are creating the image of God, but perhaps we're not the most important things in the entire universe. And whether it goes <laughs> to in terms of um, how vast the universe is, if we discover there are other beings or aliens or or even um, animals on our own <laughs> planet or the creations, all those things like uh, human exceptionalism, I think um, making us just the, the the king of the hill, queen of the hill is, um, you know, maybe we can let go of that and see ourselves connected to the universe in a more intimate way. And we can have a more kindred relationship with all of creation and all of the cosmos. Yeah. Yeah. I think C.S. Lewis proved that with the space trilogy. Uh, If you haven't read it, read it. (laughs) All right, Pastor Will, what's something the church should butt out of when it comes to science? Well, I'm going to go with a phrase the church can let go of. And and I'll say not just butting out of the conversation of science as we as we shared, but but letting go of being so defensive when when something new uh, happens, whether it's a James Webb telescope image or whether it's a discovery about a virus and a vaccine, we get so defensive and, and want to just, again, be right up. And because um, most of the debate or the controversy or the tension between faith and science is this battle for power and influence. And the church is getting defensive, even from the Middle Ages, uh, Galileo and all. We get defensive because we're just so scared we're going to lose power, influence, and money and resources. And maybe I think there was a rabbi who taught against chasing after power and influence. And so I think um, we should be concerned <laughs> about that as much as as it, let let that go and let's let's listen and um, and and pull up a chair to the table, not not to do, be so defensive. But, but rather listening and be a friend. So, there you go. Yeah, I think for my money, every time I can think of that the church and science has been in a conflict and it turned out the science proved something that the church thought was wrong. Like you mentioned the orbit, right? We thought the earth was flat, the earth, the we, we realized that was wrong. And instead of taking it as a defeat, I feel like every time it's actually opened up the scriptures more. It wasn't this face value that we thought it was. There was actually something deeper there. And I think you'll see that again and again and again as we tackle these things. So point blank, uh, I'm going to start with Father Jonathan this time. 
what should the church's relationship to science, to the scientific community look like and why does it matter? So I think, I think with, as with all of our relationships, uh, it should be, um, it should be one that is humble. There's a, and there's a, a word that it's, um, uh, in Greek, it's hard to translate. Uh, it's philotimo, which is, a, uh, it's, it's like kind of like a love of what is, what is good and right in general, like, mm-hmm. like for the sake of it. And I think that's, we should, we should always, we should always have philotimo and humility, um, in every one of our relationships. Uh, I think that, um, I, I'm of the mindset that we can talk about God in a lot of different languages. And I don't just mean like human languages. I mean, like there are things that can only be said in music. There, could, there are things that can only be said in poetry. There are things that can only be said in art. Um, there is, There are things uh, about God that we need the language of science to articulate. And I think that we should see them as another means by which we can see God's signature on his creation and and marvel and give another thing that we can marvel at, at how wondrous our God is that he could create something so complex, so beautiful from the mm-hmm. subatomic atomic scale <laughs> to the to the, yeah. to the macroscopic scale. Um, that's something so beautiful and so amazing um is what god has given to us as as his creation the world that he has designed the reality that he has designed for us um and even if it's a multiverse of of possibilities <laughs> uh to just Amen. marvel at, at that because god is god isn't the god isn't the biggest creature uh god is the creator he is the ground of being and so um and so the universe doesn't contain God, but somehow God holds in his embrace this universe and whatever other ones might exist. So uh, allow science to be something that gives us a language that describes more uh, perfectly over time um, as best as we as imperfect beings can the, the beauty and majesty of God's creation. Amen. Uh, for those who didn't know, uh, Father Jonathan was keyed in, cued in earlier. Um, if you can work the words Marvel and multiverse into the same sentence, you do get extra points. <laughs> um, Dino, point blank, what just just simply, what should the church's relationship to the scientific community look like, and why does it matter? Hmm. I can start with what it shouldn't be. The, um, the church should <laughs> not view science as like this antagonistic force that if the scientist needs to know that one thing, which the scientist discovers some, like will pull some piece of thread and unravel the whole gospel story. Like, I think I used to be that way. Like I was afraid to read like things like Richard Dawkins, like Selfish Gene and all that. Cause if I read, what if I read, if I read this book and understood it, then suddenly like, oh no, like my faith is just built on the hearts of cards. But when I read some of it, it was just like, oh, that's it. That's, that's what he's griping about. Like, that's it. Like, I guess one thing, like this church should not fear science as this thing that's going to be like, or I guess scientists as this thing that's going to like topple like our age old faith that God has established. Um, I guess also Christians maybe should um, know what, I guess know what the boundaries are of what religion and science say. Like for me, like science is a tool. It tells you how things work. It doesn't command you to be in awe of like how big the universe is. Um, theology does that, for example. 
like yeah the and science can tell you that light travels at 3.0 times 10 to the 8 meters per squared it doesn't tell you oh that's super fast you know that's like that's the mm -hmm. human um <laughs> yeah element of of that so i guess like uh, hopefully i'm answering your question like just knowing what the boundaries yeah. are of what science and religions can say like when you want to understand something you might want to turn to one or the other but they should never like and at least for me i don't think they ever should be antagonistic to each other they can work together i mean like I, we mentioned earlier, God is the one who established all these scientific rules and laws. They are not unknown to him. None of them are scary. God is bigger than all of it. He created all of it, um, which it's interesting. We like to think of God, the creator, the creator of matter. And sometimes I feel like we forget that God is also the creator of rules and equations and math, even. I have this dream sometimes um, that like God would talk science to me. Like, hey, I made this to be like, you know... I made pi to be like 3.14 so and so or like oh like oh yeah light actually made this to be 3.0 times 10 to, negative, 10 to the 8th or something like that like i think yeah I, in some ways god is a scientist as well as like an artist oh yeah oh yeah god actually told me the other day that uh he, he created pi as a practical joke he wanted to see how many humans would try to memorize uh -huh. the, the all the digits <laughs> uh <laughs> I'm not going to make everybody answer this one. Um, does anybody else want to want to say anything about what the church's relationship to science should be and why it matters? All right, Christian. Um, embrace science, but have a healthy skepticism for what's presented in front of you. And you brought up flat yeah. earth theorists earlier. I mean, we can <laughs> make an easy joke and be like, oh, they're all stupid. It's like. That's true. Yeah, but entire generations <laughs> that thought that's joke. how the world worked. But as science advanced, we learned more. So we need to learn from this modern example of people believing in this lie that the earth is still flat, is that we should not dig in our heels if we hold a conviction that is contradicted by truth just because yeah. it makes us feel special, just because we can be part of this group that no one else is a part of. Yeah. I, um, I saw Father Jonathan with his hands up, but I, I think it's important to remember that not every time when the scripture is talking is the subject of the matter exactly what it says. With the resurrection, the point of what it was saying is that the resurrection happened. With a lot of other things, what it's saying, a lot of times it's using these objects as tools to say a different message. And that's what we need to cling to. Father Jonathan. So I just, I, I, the flat earth thing uh, came up and I just want to, just cause in case if someone's listening that might take offense to how, how people are speaking about it. Um, uh, I heard it said once, uh, flat Earth as a theory is wrong, but it's not stupid. Um, like there's a reason why um, uh, why people would like observation wise would think that. So just it's it, and and the science that they have behind it, like the math behind how it would work, is pretty intelligent. Uh, they they figured out what it would have what this what everything would have to be like for it to work. Um, and so it's not stupid. It's it's just wrong. It's incorrect. Uh, and the other thing, there's always been in the Christian tradition, a healthy skepticism while reading things like scripture. Like uh, there was mm -hmm. always a level at which we could read something literally. But then we also saw the kind of uh, the the more like this, what's the soul of scripture and then what's its spiritual meaning as well. That goes back to as early as uh, origin or earlier uh, origin, the Christian thinker, not the beginning <laughs> of things. Yeah. Um, but the viewing scripture having these multiple levels of significance and meaning um because the 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 time he saw the times when the literal reading left us stumbling 
were the times that yeah. God was trying to teach us something to go deeper. So when things didn't make sense, he wanted us to go deeper at those points. And I think, um, I think just what you said kind of would spark that thought in me. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, um, it's weird to have favorite biblical authors, but I feel like once you get into the church fathers, I feel a little bit more okay saying the origin is one of my favorites. <laughs> um, Pastor Will, I saw your hand up. Yeah, real quick. I, I just think what, what should, you know, answering that question in terms of what the relationship should be, we, we should be sitting at the same time, ha table having a conversation. And that doesn't mean that you're not going to have disagreements, that there's not going to be tension, that you're going to get along all the time, but at least be at the same dinner table having a meal, having a conversation, listening, arguing, thinking through, understanding, forgiving, all, all, all that you have when you have like a relationship. Um, uh, not all relationships go smoothly or easy all the time. And so, but meaningful ones, you know, dig in and, and stick with each other. So there's a reason why these big projects, like there's a task force, if we ever discover mm -hmm. there's aliens beyond our world, that mm -hmm. there's mathematicians and engineers, uh, but there's also theologians and philosophers sitting at the table too, because yes, science is a tool to tell us how things operate, but, but yeah, in terms of uh, thinking through moral ethical questions and, and uh, the deeper questions of our place and meaning in the universe are still philosophical and theological questions that should be in the conversation when it comes to um, the human journey. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm brought to think of two tragic events that happened in my lifetime of 9/11, uh, and then this pandemic that we all the whole world just went through. And in both cases, it was important during 9/11 that we have military leaders and politicians who are figuring out the country's response to that. But it was equally important that we had theologians who are helping people learn how to cope with the trauma. And the same thing we just saw with this pandemic, we had people who are scientists who are learning how to deal with this on a, how do we, you know, keep people from dying level. And then we needed the theologians. We needed the pastors to get people through all of the loss that we all experienced in the last few years. So yeah. Amen. Brandon, you're the only one who hasn't, who hasn't said anything. And I don't want to leave you out. Okay. I feel weird about it. What's the church's relationship to the scientific community? What should it look like? Uh, I guess the only thing that I would add to this, and it's been said in other ways, we should have an open handedness towards it. I like the healthy skepticism yeah. because that is a good check and balance to have in this. But, you know, I think a lot of this, we are closed minded, stiff necked, drawing lines in the sand before the issue even comes up, before we were even listening at all before the new thing even happens we're already nope this is it and i think we just need more people to be more open-handed to listen have that healthy skepticism listen to varying positions we talked about this earlier mm -hmm. i i didn't weigh in then but i'll say it now i'm i love the comeback of well my sources say the research i did says this and it goes back it goes back to the verse we talked about right back at the beginning of, yeah. okay, yeah, you can have your person, you can have your different positions, but we need to, in this world, we need to have the varying positions, listen to the varying positions, and then see where mm -hmm. the correlation lies and move from there. So, yeah, the end. Joshua, are you going to have an opportunity to share like some resources for faith and science? Because I have some, at some point in the discussion, I have a few things I'd love to share. Go ahead. No, I mean, I think in terms of creating a healthy conversation between faith and science, I think BioLogos has a great website and a great podcast. 
Yeah, they great conversation, yeah. especially in terms of of, of evolution, interpretation of scripture. Their their posture and approach is fantastic. There's another one out there. Some friends of mine created Science for the Church. They have a website and an email, and they have articles all the time that talk about this conversation before uh, between science and faith. Um, I think um, Blueprint fifteen forty three. Uh, Joshua, our new friend of systematic ecology, Sari, works with, uh, has a good conversation, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to neuroscience, the brain, and and faith as well. And then I recommend a book. The one that got us all started um, in our church with a conversation is this book called Would You Baptize an Extraterrestrial and Other <laughs> Questions from the Vatican Astronomy Inbox um, and uh, Observatory Inbox. And it really revolves around like six major questions that always come into the Vatican Observatory um, uh, inbox, and they, and they answer it. And it, I think they handle those questions great. They're, they're astronomers, they're astrophysicists answering faith questions at the same time, and it's a fantastic book to read. It'll be great to study in your congregation and, and faith groups. Um, so I'll make that plug for that book. Well, it just sounds fun. It is. <laughs> Anybody else have any other resources, Dino? Well, just like um, I, I think Bilogos actually helped uh, like I was actually struggling, like when I was a baby Christian, like balancing evolution and uh, my and my newfound faith. I think Biologos was actually the ones who reassured me that it's okay to believe in evolution and still be a science and be this neck deep in science. Like uh, so, I owe a lot to them to actually like kind of like reconcile that like cognitive distance I had as a young believer. Yeah. Does anybody else have any other resources or books they wanted to throw out there while we're talking about it? Or if we're good, I will put, um, again, I'll put some of the links to other people who've interviewed young earth creationisms to other people who believed in theistic evolution. So we're going to have a balance of resources. You can look at all of the things and kind of weigh it out for yourself. Be skeptical, as Christian said. And uh, guys, now we we always end our show with a question that all of you except for Dino have answered this, the regular version of this. <laughs> where we like to ask people for a single tangible action that would help better maintain unity in the church. I want to do it a little bit more targeted because unfortunately, if we mentioned there's a lot of disagreements in the church on how we should respond to scientific questions and how we should treat people of different scientific opinions than ourselves. So I want to ask more specifically, what's something practical our listeners can do that would help maintain unity with other believers who view the church's relationship with science differently than they do. Um, Brandon, I'm going to go back to Augustine summarize that great quote that everybody should have hanging on their walls as decorative wall art. I will. Was that yeah, two paragraphs yeah. I read earlier? I'm going to summarize it like this. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just got to shut up like, but, but for reals, <laughs> I mean, not necessarily in the yeah. realm of science, but in my, in my own personal ministry experience, I have had that handful of times standing in the back. I've just got done preaching not even five minutes ago and I've got somebody wanting to correct me. And it's, it's never a main issue. It's never actually something of heresy. It It's a second mm-hmm. or th- third tier issue. It's a word I said that they didn't like, or it's just plain. They didn't like the style <laughs> of my preaching, you know, and yeah, the right. Bible version. And <laughs> I am a thin skinned, very defensive person. I, I normally want to defend myself, but I have learned, and this takes nuance this answer does take nuance. This is not a blanket answer, but I have learned to Mm -hmm. stand there and take it on the chin because in that moment, they're not really wanting to, they just want to be right. Sometimes people just want to be right in their own mind. 
and you stand there, you yeah. take it on the chin, you maybe chew on it to see if there was any actual substance there chew the meat, spit the bad, you know, and that takes a lot of nuance. Yeah. That takes a lot of wisdom, but there are some times like Facebook arguments, just never ending comments on mm -hmm. Facebook posts that sometimes oh, you yeah. just got to learn to just shut up. You're not the smartest person in the room all the time. Your, your ignorance is showing mm -hmm. just listen, take it and move on. I just imagined Patrick star. Where? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we can't all be Father Jonathan. Right, of we can't course. all be right all the time. Um, <laughs> he's so humble. Like I feel like he probably hates that, I'm, that I that I decided to roll with this joke today. But here I am. TJ's not here to stop me. <laughs> Christian, <laughs> uh, what, what is um? What's something practical you think that the people in the church can do that would help better maintain unity with people who disagree on how we should address scientific issues or people in the scientific community? But this one's going to be a little more off the wall as an answer. But that's what I'm here for. Yeah. I love those. <laughs> but I would encourage people, not only because I love these things, but also because of how useful it can be researching them, is to get into something mm -hmm. like cryptozoology <laughs> or ufology or the paranormal researching that. Because what it does, if you're doing it correctly, is it helps you understand, okay, here is what this person has said. Can we trust an eyewitness? Can we, mm -hmm. what is the evidence presented? There, this ground was radioactive. What could have caused that? Could it have been a UFO? I mean, is it possible for a giant plesiosaur to have been, you know, in a lake in Scotland for all these years? <laughs> Biologically, yeah. is that possible? Of course. Like, I mean, I would love it to be true, but when I look at it from a healthy skepticism point of view, chances are it's not, or it's died out a long time ago. And people yeah. did see it at one point. Like, that's set, that way you can look at something like that that's controversial to begin with, see how people present their arguments there, and then learn how to do that with other people. Yeah. Did anybody else have anything um, that you think would help us better maintain unity practically with other Christians who believe differently on how we should address scientific? Yeah. Pastor Will. Sorry. Yeah. I would just say find a, a scientist in your community and, and have a lunch or a coffee or a meal with them and just ask, be curious about what their life is about and how, how they see the world. Even, even within your own faith community, I guarantee you, I mean, I'm kind of spoiled because I'm here at the doorstep of UNC and, and Duke and, and we have like literal particle physicists who work at Duke, I mean, who work at CERN over in Switzerland in my congregation. And so I get to pick their brains. It's, it, yeah, it's incredible. But even if you don't have those resources, I guarantee you in your, in your congregation, you have a, a middle school biology teacher or, or a dentist mm -hmm. or, or something like that, where they've had to study and look at the science and say, how do you see the world? How do you approach this? And then how do you approach faith? Um, what do you, do you feel the pressure that you need to be a certain way because religion tells you that way? Or do you feel a peer pressure from the other side, from the scientific community? How does that, that, that pressure from both sides press in on you and how you live your life? So I think listening to stories and experience like that would really help broaden how we, how we see the world too. Well, yeah. I think a lot of people would be surprised if you have lunch with a pastor or a scientist, they are just people. There you go. Father Jonathan. <laughs> So first of all, I do, I do have to say, Christian, as a as an aspiring cryptozoologist, I was a little taken aback by your your choice. Uh, <laughs> uh, my my late nights listening to Coast to Coast or uh, not? Yet. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. There you go. Deep cut. I like that. Um, 
but uh, so I, I think I like the idea and, and not just with the scientist or, or, or something at our community, but I think everyone has a reason, a story behind why they believe anything. And I think that in, mm-hmm. in, it, it would behoove us as Christians individually, as communities to just meet across the table and say like well what in your life has led you to to believe that what are where do you get it and just be open and let people because i mean a lot of times these things are caught up in people's identity whether that's positive or negative i can't say um but it is caught up in their identity and so rather than fighting someone against something that is kind of constitutive of who they they believe themselves to be uh, and then they can take offense like open up and just say like present yourself and your story and how that shapes what you believe and where it comes from and then honor the person that's as they presented themselves before you and then you know Mm -hmm. share your own perspective too you know and i think that's um I think in open conversation, uh, I think we need to have hospitality um, of our in our in our own hearts to allow space for people into them, uh, and and hopefully in doing so we might be received and they will hear our side of where you know where we're, where we're coming from, where our stories has led us have led us to to the positions that we hold, um, and I think that's a yeah. good a good place to, to kind of to start practically, just one person at a time. Tell me your story and where you're coming from. Let's just talk. I mean, both of you, um, Pastor Will and Father Jonathan, I mean, just talking, sitting down, having lunch. If you notice, Jesus did a lot of that. And uh, I think it's because it's a really constructive thing. Uh, Buy someone lunch. I'm available. Uh, Dino. (laughs) I mean, on that note, I would say um, go back to our root as Christians, which is Jesus Christ. So, like, you know, go back to Christ and go back to the gospel, go back to scriptures. Um, And also, like, just kind of have a throwback to the opening verse, like First uh, Corinthians three eighteen. Like, you know, like here we are, like fusing, like, oh, I'm, I'm this on this position. I follow, like you mentioned, following John Piper or whoever. But I view, oh, I'm an evolutionary creationist. I'm a young Earth. I'm a young Earther. Um, before we were all those, we were Christians. So, mm-hmm. appealing to Christ, and also like I also want to point out, Romans twelve two, uh, Roman tw- Romans twelve two. Like, uh, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the reading of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Like, uh, bring some scripture in there, too, in your discussions. Like, because sometimes people might think something is Christian when, in fact, it's actually just a product of culture, also. Like, um, I don't mention any examples just yet, but like, I, f- I feel like they're sometimes what people think is Christian doctrine is actually just conservative Republican values or that Southerners believe. Or from my perspective, there's some doctrine that my Catholic parents believe is not actually Catholic doctrine. It's just what culture says it should be. Yeah. 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 I mean, all all these things are so important. And I I go back again to our verse in the beginning. And remember that a lot of this is just the foolishness of men that cannot compare to the wisdom of God. You know, it could turn out that evolution is just the foolishness of men could turn out that creationism is just the foolishness of men <laughs> you know it could turn out any of these things any of them could just be our own foolishness and we have to rely of the utmost we have to rely on god in the meantime let's have these conversations of faith and science and, and do our best realizing that it could be foolishness you know i think that humility is a big part the conversations are definitely a huge part as we do all of these things you know I, i'll even add on there i think it's important to read or watch sci-fi I think it opens up your mind to being able to see what 
if all of these other scientific things could be true and what are the philosophical ramifications of it. And sometimes to me, it makes it less intimidating for my faith to realize, oh, okay, so if the scientific thing was true, all these ramifications would still be the same. <laughs> you know, I think sci-fi does a really good job of opening your mind and that might even help you read scripture better. I know, sci-fi hero reads scripture better. Sounds like I'm on Systematic Geekology. Speaking of which, you guys can go over to systematicgeekology.org <laughs> and you can check out our other podcast. Pastor Will and I are both over there. If you hit the host tab, there's a drop down and you can see all the stuff that we do. And we'd love to have you on that show as well. So check it out. And on that note, guys, we always end our show with a God moment. Um, TJ likes to make me go first. It's just a moment where we take some time to say what God's been up to with us less lately, blessing, challenge, whatever, anything like that. Mind is going to go back to my grandmother passing recently. And um, there was something my grandfather, who's married to her, always said that, that stuck with me f- for years now, that I love you and there ain't nothing you can do mm-hmm. about it. And mm-hmm. to me, that was the message of the gospel. And I'd really been wrestling with that theologically. What does it mean that I can love you and there'd be nothing you can do about it, <laughs> you know? And with my grandmother's passing, it, it made me remember that the theological aspect is super important of, I love you and there ain't nothing you can do about it. But so is that practical thing of you can look at her life and just what she did said that. And to kind of remember that we, we need both. We need to say, I love you and there ain't nothing you can do about it, but we also need to show it. And um, I think that was the example they set for me. And I'm really uh, blessed to have that example. Don't let everybody do a God moment. That That's important. <laughs> Um, Christian, I'll let you go first. Uh, I know. Follow that one. Follow that one. (laughs) That Joshua just dropped that like heart touching, like incredible God moment. It's like, I'm glad (laughs) you didn't call me to go now. (laughs) I mean, well, I'm going to do what I always do and cheat and do two. Um, The first one is like uh, Josh mentioned earlier. I just started coming to the Southern Baptist Seminary. Uh, I was so terrified it's like, I'm going so far away from home. That was by choice, but he, at the end of the day, it's still far away from home. I mean, the only person I know in town are, are Dino and Jenny, and they don't go to the school. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to have any friends. I'm going to be a freak. No one's going to love me. All these anxiety rushing through my head. And on the first day, I make a friend. In yeah. my first class, I make a friend. And God was just like, look, I brought you here. I'm not going to let you go. Trust me. That was a good feeling. And my second one, almost as important, uh, I just happened to go to Best Buy the other day, and I was going around, they had the sign that says, uh, ask in front for a PS5. It's like, nice. what? I've been waiting almost two years for this. Is this true? Am I being Same. scammed? And I went there and asked, I said, oh yeah, we have two in reserve. And I said, okay, just wait a second. I didn't actually think it would be here. I need to check the games. <laughs> so I went there. Did you get both? Uh, <laughs> one for me? Nah, I wish I had that money. <laughs> But I went there, and I, even as I was leaving the parking lot, it's like, do I actually have this? Is this real? <laughs> and it was like, God's yeah, like, look, yeah, I, I can get even that. control this, too. Something you wanted this long. Just trust, idiot. I love you. Yeah. Uh, also, a quick side note. Uh, most of the Noel family lives near there, and they have a history of adopting my friends. So if you just need a meal, let me know. That sounds wonderful. Um, yeah. Uh, Brandon, what's, uh, what's God been up to lately? Yeah. A little Cooper. How, how did you know you. I was going to say something about Cooper? Uh, my son is learning how to roll over and is starting to learn how to laugh. Oh, so God. all of that is 
so fun. I'm a stay at home dad. So it's just fun. I mean, it's hard. It's hard day in and day out. Sometimes it's like, dude, stop screaming. Seriously. Um, but it is, <laughs> it is fun. Or when his baby monitor keeps going off, even though he's not here, that's what that beeping has been in the background this whole time. Uh, he's not even here. He's at his aunt's <laughs> house right now, but it's just been so cool watching him grow up and roll around and have yeah. teeth. He's awesome. got a tooth coming. So nice. Father Jonathan, what God been up to lately? Wow, that's, you know, words, words, Father Jonathan. You're smart <laughs> yeah, enough. You don't need all the words. I got it. Uh, so this, uh, we said this uh, when we were just kind of chatting uh, before we started, but on uh, Saturday, so I fl- I'm, from, I'm in Charlotte. I flew up to Boston on Friday night, and Saturday morning I had the blessing of uh, baptizing my niece, my brother's mm. daughter, um, which was just an amazing experience. She's, uh, I've done, ba- awesome. I've done the uh, hundreds of baptisms at this point, being at a big community, um, but uh, but to do one for a family member, this is the first time I've uh, I've been able to baptize a family member as a priest, and uh, it was just such a joy. And I haven't much spent much time with her because uh, because I'm down here and they live up there, and so it's, I just. I just fell in love with her and it was just such a joy to spend uh, a little bit of time with my family, even if it was just 24 hours. Um, uh, that was a, just a, a, a remarkable experience uh, to do, to be able to do sacraments for family members and friends. Um, uh, weddings I've done, you know, I've done funerals for family members. So like just to, you know, it, it's just, it's remarkable. And so uh, thank God that, you know, this this is one of the aspects of what it means for me to be a priest uh, is to, to serve not only my community that I'm serving, but also my family as well. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, Pastor Will. Yeah, I, uh, my God, remember I last week um, moved both my daughters to college. And so I'm now an empty nester. Uh, one daughter had been in college for a while, but nearby, uh, but they both, my youngest daughter and oldest daughter, are now going to the same college, two and a half hours away, Appalachian State University, um, up in the North Carolina mountains. And so I'm empty nester. I'm kind of, it's weird and a uh, new chapter <laughs> in my life, and, and a little sad, but also proud of them a lot. But I just got a message on Sunday. Um, there, Grace Lutheran Church is there, has a campus ministry there at App State, and I get a message through Facebook that a former campus ministry student that we had here at Carolina messaged me and said, oh, Pastor Will, I just saw your daughters at Grace Lutheran Church. And James and I now live here in Boone and I'm working in Boone. And um, I just invited them to come over for dinner (laughs) one night. And uh, so cool. I'll keep in touch with them. So those connections that you have, you never know how they're going to crisscross that that my kids are going to be fine. Um, But but knowing they have an extra set of of um, friends and resource uh, resources up there warms my heart and how the, oh, yeah. the church and how the relationships we form matter even years down the road. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Dino, bring us home. Right. With the greatest God moment ever. God moment ever. <laughs> well, this one's kind of taken years, I guess. So it's weird to say just this one moment. Like, I mean, I'm getting married in November, but I actually All never right. thought, you won. <laughs> I mean, I never really thought that I would be so fast, I guess. Cause like, um, I, Remember, because I remember, like, um, let's see, 2016 was like the worst year I ever had, because like I was gonna lose my job, because my visa, my visa status was gonna run out, and like there's a long-term relationship I had that ended. Like I thought we were gonna get married, but it didn't happen, and so it actually sent me to a period of nihilism in my faith. And um, it's weird, like, if those tragedies in my life didn't happen, 
I would not be getting married to this wonderful lady, and I wouldn't be finishing a PhD soon. Like, I would have never, like, I know. It's weird to say that, like, years, it's like, it it took years after that for God's purposes to finally happen. I know. Like, oh, yeah. To me, like, yeah. So, there you go. That's oddly relatable. 2016 is when I had my car accident. I just became a manager at Domino's. Was no longer able to be manager. When I came back, the person who was being a shift manager, where I guess I would have been, one of them was my wife. So that's how we met, actually. So I, I totally get 2016 being a bad year. Yeah, but it it turns around. What's it? He works all things for our good or something like, something like that. Guys, if you enjoyed this episode and stuck with us this long, you, you're a champ. And we all appreciate you. <laughs> Please consider sharing this episode with a friend, an enemy, or for TJ's sake, a cousin. Uh, We do prefer cousins. Um, Just if you were wondering, you do get extra points for cousins. Not as many as you get for mentioning Marvel and Multiverse in the same sentence, but you still get points. Also, remember to listen to our other podcast at systematicgeekology.org. I know I plugged that earlier, so just, you know, just remember. And, of course, if you want to join our Patreon, you could get access to our pet peeves segment over there where we ask our guests about their pets and their peeves this one's gonna be a doozy so hang in there (laughs) guys thank you for listening to the whole church podcast we hope you enjoyed this episode coming up we're gonna be taking a week off for vacation duly needed um and then after that we will be returning with pastor will to discuss the different views of how the church should approach the subject of abortion and after that, we will be interviewing Hebrew scholar, Dr. Edward Greenstein, which I think Will's going to join us for that as well, about his commentary on the book of Job to help with our Dividing Scripture series. And finally, at the end of season one, Francis Chan will be joining us. He doesn't know, but it's going to happen, Francis. If you're listening, just know it's happening. Go ahead and accept it. You know, take a deep breath. It'll be okay. <laughs> you can't escape my life. <laughs>